Hello and welcome to GameSpot After Dark, episode 94. It's a very exciting episode because we've got so many games to talk about, but also because we are joined by an extremely special guest, a good friend of ours and a an incredible advocate within the industry, the very, one and only Stephen Spawn. How are you doing, yeah, Stephen? I can't wait to meet them. Wait, oh, that's... <laughs> hey, so, okay, but I have a question before we get started. Like, this is after dark, but clearly all of us are in daylight. So... Yeah. There's the giant window behind me. Yeah, yeah. literally has a light portal behind her. So. Yeah, I. So the way the way we're coming at this, I think we've decided yep. is is the world is the darkness, and we ah, are the light within yes. it. And I like that. Yeah. These podcasts are an attempt to get to the place that is after the dark. Oh damn! I like oh, okay. like yeah. shadow and bone. Nice. Exactly. Okay. There you go. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, damn, that's a someone in marketing hit me up. <laughs> I was gonna say. I know that you this is like the thing that I love and hate about Tamor is that he can pull something like that out of his ass with no preparation (laughs) and it's like like his death loop preview that he wrote the other day was like he's messaging me going like I'm really tired I don't know how I'm gonna do this and then he writes just like this beautiful copy about death loop and I was like I wish I was as like I wish I could write like this. <laughs> well, that that very complimentary voice was, of course, oh. Lucy James. Hi. How are you doing, Lucy? And we are also joined by the maestro himself, Jean Luc Saipke. Maestro. Wow. Doing? Okay. I'm calling you the maestro now. That's your new name. <laughs> You're getting maestro. Um, I'll take yeah, it. So, yeah. So this is a uh, special episode, obviously, because we're going to have an announcement. But first, to set up the announcement, we have a traditional segment, which we're going to go through. The Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. Roll the sting. Chris. So, Stephen, if you're not aware, I mean, like at this point, most people are aware, but I'm going to do the spiel anyway. We have a segment yep. in which first timers on our podcast have to explain who they are, what they do. The games and things that they love and keep coming back to and effectively encapsulate their whole lives and existence and tastes in about, let's say, three to, uh, let's say like five to ten minutes-ish. Um, and this is because someone from Chris from Dayton, Ohio, emailed in and said, uh, I don't really know any of you, so can you explain who you are? <laughs> so I believe, uh, I believe his words were like, I'm enjoying the podcast, but I don't know who the hell you guys are. <laughs> yeah. So in his honor... We've uh, created the Chris from Dayton Higher segment. So, Stephen, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, like, that's like a very existential question. To yeah. Off the podcast. It is, yeah. Who are you? Who in are this you? World? Oh yeah. no! <laughs> hold on, while I hold on, while I go through therapy real quick. Um, <laughs> gosh. Um, well, so my name is Steve. I am a gamer with disabilities. Uh, you often see me running around the internet playing games with a hat on my head and the mouse in my hands because I can't use a keyboard or a controller. I use assistive technology to help me play video games, often on Twitch. Um, five nights per week I'm doing that, and during the daytime I'm the CEO of Able Gamers. Uh, generally, you probably have heard about us. We tend to do okay things here and there. Uh, usually has to do with people with disabilities. Sometimes cats, as much as I can put them in, cats, because uh, cats are great. Uh, so basically, my day is pretty much filled with um, back-end stuff and making sure that we're giving out uh, as much technology as we can to people with disabilities who just want to play games like the rest of us. Uh, It sounds like uh, either the best job or the most boring job, depending on which side, if you're looking at the Excel side of the job or you're looking at the going and helping children side of the job. Um, And you'd be right, either way. (laughs) Um, 
but uh, it, it's really pretty great. I, you know, who I am as a person outside of all that is is really just a guy that's trying to make the world a better place. So, you know, where Lucy and Tam have known me forever is, is basically where I'm usually running around doing interviews with, you know, kind of funny or doing some kind of shenanigans where I'm just trying to convince people to be better people. Um, my entire uh, persona is, is generally telling people they need to have empathy and care about other people. And that comes in real handy with a job where you're trying to help disabled people get into video gaming. So, Really, it's a, it's a great uh, space that we all love in video games. It's something that I think we all can connect with and enjoy. Hmm. Uh, my favorite taste is white pizza. Yummy, delicious, uh, Alfredo mm-hmm. sauce. Um, yeah, and also um, Kit Kats. Kit Kats are also delicious. Oh, Kit hell Kat, yeah. You should sponsor mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, Kit Kat, please sponsor Steve yep. and, and Able yep. Gamers. Yeah, I, I think it's probably, you said it well there, but it's probably worth restating for people who might not be aware of the impact that the stuff that Able Gamers is having. Like, not only is it making video gaming accessible uh, to a lot of people, um, but also... In a time when, um, you know, off the back of the advocacy and the raising awareness around it from both Able Gamers and other places as well, in a time when the video game industry is trying and is getting better at looking at the accessibility um, of their games, uh, a, a, you know, a organization like Able Gamers and Steve as a person becomes more vital to the games that you play and how they're designed and how they're developed. So not only is it, is it you know uh, important for people to be access to games? But able gamers and Steve's efforts and Steve's team's efforts are changing the way games are made to make sure that it's not just a matter of how can someone interface with this. It's a matter of how can we from the ground up look at our video game experience and keep in mind that there are people that come from all walks of life and backgrounds and have different needs that can play it. And that is just an incredible force for good within the industry. So thank you for doing that. And I'm sure everyone who's listening to this will also appreciate the effort you're putting in. Now, I really appreciate that. more importantly, before we started this, you sent an email when we were talking about what we should talk about. And you said, yep. why are cats so cute? And now, yes. that, I, now that I've been appointed at uh, seemingly uh, the yep. host of the show, I can make that happen. <laughs> so yeah, let's go. the question is, here's the challenge. What part of a cat do you look at and makes you go, holy shit, that is the cutest thing I've seen? Is it, there's a cat on the screen right now. Is it like, because some people are mm. like, I really like the nose, the nose mm-hmm. of kitties. Some people are like, uh, the, the little booty, their bums when they're like, like getting ready to attack someone. Some people are like, it's the eyes or the ears. <laughs> what is it for you that when you look at each of you, when you look at a cat, you're like, oh my God, how are we blessed with such a creature? Mm. Uh, the fuzziness. Cats, cats have to be super fuzzy. Like, I realize there's uh, hairless cats out there, and uh, remember, if you are owner of a hairless cat, please send all of that angry email to lucyjames <laughs> at hatescats.com. No! Um, oh, I wish, like, genuinely, I have wanted nothing more than a cat uh, just for the last few years. Like, I, the cat that we had, so... My family kind of gets into the habit of getting old rescue cats who we think will be around for like five years, but will live for an extra 10 out of spite. And so we had this cat called Kick and Kick was like on paper, the worst cat you could get. Like I came home one time and my mum was like in the corner, batting him off with a dining chair because the cat was just like hissing at her for the whole time. (laughs) 
but he died when I was about 21 and since then and it's almost 10 years later at this point I'm like I just want a cat like I'm following uh give me shelter in San Francisco on Instagram to see when the next cats are going to be available um my partner Zach like his roommate's cat is like my sort of surrogate cat that I have legitimately tried to steal on more than one occasion so don't be so Steve don't be telling people that I'm out here as a cat (laughs) because I have got the receipts just today I was feeling a little bit down and I texted my friend cat and and cat messaged me a video of their cats because they have two cats one is called Scully and the other one is called Rick and um yeah, did a little voiceover going, hey, say hi to Lucy. So, I love me a cat. Every now, and, every now and then I get a video from Cat of their cats. And I'm like, this is the best. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> but you didn't answer the question, Lucy. So, thank you for wasting oh. everyone's time. <laughs> uh, eyes. It's the eyes. <laughs> eyes and ears. And then, because I, I, my favorite thing to do with a cat is like, every that sounds weird. But whenever I see a cat for the first time, I always do the kind of, there's no way to introduce yourself to a cat formally so mm-hmm. i just like hold out my fingers so they can sniff it and just mm-hmm. that sounds weird again but like so they can kind of understand that you are introducing yourself and then mm. that's when they I usually kind of just like don't get... know what you're talking about i yeah. normally have full dress attire with a hat <laughs> oh, no. my hat to the cat and i'm like hello sir or madam how are person. you how are you yes <laughs> i do the same uh put your finger out uh to to let them smell it on uh, every date i've wow. been to um, so uh, that's probably why I'm single. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we've got the fuzziness from Steve. We've got the eyes from Lucy. Jean-Luc, you're up. What is your, what is your, tell us a cat story. And also what is the part of a cat that you're like? Oh, well, my, my cat story is that I am unfortunately allergic to cats. Um, so oh, I've no. never had a cat. Uh, to, to be oh. fair, I, it's, it's uh, hit or miss. So I've been to some friends where if I'm there for more than like 30 minutes, my eyes get all puffy and, and my nose gets stuffy. And I'm like, I need to leave because um, I'm just not having a good time. But there are other mm. friends I've gone to where I am perfectly fine. And so uh, I've also been wanting a cat for a while, but I have to do that extra step of, of the research to find. I have to like go. Ha- I basically will need to like go to a place and like hang out with that cat for like 30 minutes yeah. and like see if we're cool with each other. And if we yeah. are, then it's like, all right. But I mean, me. I guess you, I know that, you know, some breeds of dog are hypoallergenic. So maybe right. it's the same for cats, but then that's weird. If mm. you think about it, it's like humans have bred animals so that we're not allergic to them. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are or, more stubborn wait, 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 hairless cat. See, no, I'm not like that. Hairless that, cat. My, my partner was like, hairless cat, we could go with that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I've I never need... seen I've never seen a hairless cat that doesn't look furious. So <laughs> I just I, re- can't. I respect them, but I can't. Yeah. I need I need I need the the fluffiness. But uh for me it's the it's the paws. It's the little toe beans mm-hmm. on a cat. I love me some good little little paws, some little toe beans. They're just so Aww. cute and you want to like yeah. velvety and you want to touch them, but you shouldn't because they get mad about it, but Yeah. Do. And, I mean bellies as well. Like you have to be on really good terms with a cat to. Well, you just have to realize that it's a trap, and it's like yeah. uh, the it's a it's a Kurbyashi Maru, right? You're never gonna win because yeah. it's like oh, you got to bet exactly two and three quarters times, or you get bit either way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say the toes as well, the little paws, mm-hmm. but since that's taken, 
I will say uh, my cat has this thing where sometimes she'll forgot she'll forget to put her tongue back in her mouth. A lot of cats do it, where she'll just be like walking around and her tongue is still in her mouth. And I usually remind her that it's there by just like, it's always like hanging out a bit. So I'll just like boing it a bit and it'll like, it'll just like flap a bit. And then she'll be like, all right, I get it. Put the, put the, put the tongue back in the mouth. But um, yeah, I think, I think we've uh, thoroughly figured out why cats are cute. It's the fuzziness, it's the eyes. It's the toes, and it's when they have their little tongue out. So I think um, scientific work has been done here. Case closed, everyone. Case closed. We did it. We solved cats, We solved everybody. it. Done. Now that we've scientifically figured out how cats uh, make us uh, their swoon for them and make us their, their pets in, real, in reality, yes. um, let's move on to what we've been doing and playing. Um, so, Stephen... Uh, what you've been up to, what you've been playing, what you've been enjoying lately. We say what we've been playing, but it could be anything. If like you you've eaten a good, you know, particular meal, that counts. <laughs> if you've if you've looked at the starry sky and noticed one particular stars as and it moved you, that counts. Like anything and everything. I don't think those are video games, but um, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a weird podcast. Um so yeah. Um, <laughs> feel free to use that in your marketing materials. Um so <laughs> Uh, no, I, for games, I have been, uh, loving Outriders. I've been going a lot of time into that. Um, actually, I did, like a lot of people, I did jump into the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Um, and I spent five and a half hours with my friend Dylan, or Rudism, as a lot of people know him, who does all those weird controllers on the internet that, like, playing with a bagel. Uh, for those of you who may know the guy but not know his name, that's Rudism. Uh, mm-hmm. where we literally uh, reset the game's accessibility. Uh, which, oh, wow. Fun. Yeah, it was, there was a lot of files in there that we had to tackle. and uh, But it took us five hours. After that, we, we figured out how to get me to be able to play it. So it was exciting. Uh, yeah, and then um, other than that, there's um, my little bit of backlog. I feel like I'm starting to accrue because there's actually some good games out there like Subnautica that I want to get to that... Mm. <laughs> just seems to be this this ongoing thing and then you know we're in we're in summer so hot game summer is upon us so we're gonna end up having more and more games right (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you do you find i don't know about the rest of you do you find yourself kind of preparing for hot game summer by like taking your foot off the gas on games because i sometimes do that where i'm like i'm gonna i almost like i don't do it consciously i feel like i start playing less games as hot game summer as it's now been coined uh, by by steve um uh that's the official term for it uh as as hot game summer appears like i'm just like i'm gonna slow down or i'll play games that are like repeat games like uh, overwatch Mm. or something like that i mean recently and like i count mass effect as that i don't feel like i'm playing a new experience in, in a way i am but like i'm done with i'm almost done with resident evil but that will be the last new game i think i'm getting into is that the same for you or do you find yourself like building up to it by keep going and new new experiences you asking you asking the team i'm asking everyone you know right. I, was, I was gonna see who i was gonna oh, see who who, who jumped who, in who, who really well, everyone's, everyone's too on, polite i'm just waiting on lucy here i'm like i want to hear her take go yeah oh, yeah uh so at the minute um, I took my little uh, break before Hot Game Summer just when I came back to the UK, actually, because that's when Dave and I did all Fast and Furious movies, most of Mission Impossible. We have one more to go. Um, and so instead of like playing games the whole time, we were just watching movies, which was a nice 
kind of break but then Resident Evil came out and I got way into that I like Tam almost finished but I'm at the end bit where it's kind of going off the rails a little bit it's uh, (laughs) doing that classic Resident Evil thing and so I'm kind of doing that but also then Mass Effect came out and so now I've, I've swung the other way where it's just a lot of gaming and so mm. yeah yeah i think uh mine is just the opposite because i never played any of the mass effects at all so mm-hmm. i have a little bit of an idea of what happened with three as i watched the youtube video with different endings but it's been washed out of my brain since then so i really Wait. have no idea what's going on was was the ending of three the only mass that's, effect that's literally the only thing i ever saw of, of oh. mass effect so I've got like a whole bunch of catching up to do because the oh. the accessibility when it first came out was so trash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Away yeah. From it. So now we've been able to to hack it and make it better, so it's accessible to me now. And um, you know, we're gonna actually put out some of those files so the other people who are in my similar situation will be able to play as well, which is you know great. I I wish they had included some more accessibility. That would have been nice. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of where. The industry's going and kind of where Able Gamers is helping push with a lot of good advocates out there where, you know, <laughs> maybe the company themselves haven't thought of the accessibility, but someone's figured a way around it. And now hmm. suddenly there's, you know, somebody built a ramp on top of a staircase and you can get your wheelchair up there now. So it kind of allows access to these properties that everybody has been talking about for the last decade that you could never access. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you have the ability to go play them. And also because I love to jump around on subjects because people love that in podcasts. Also, my favorite interactions with Lucy was when she was doing the review of of uh, Fast and the Furious series. It was just her putting up takes and me answering her with, with, with gifts. It was great. I honestly, like, because I love that too. And I think that's one of the big things that kind of prompted me to watch Fast and Furious is because I've just seen this community of people... And, you know, within my friends, but definitely online, just like become so obsessed with Fast and Furious. And I never understood why, because I'd only ever seen like bits and pieces of it here. And I thought, oh, this is just movies about cars. It's not. It's movie. They're movies about family. And now I'm in. I'm in. I love it. Jean-Luc. Quarter million at a time. Exactly. Um, Jean-Luc, uh, I know you live your life a quarter mile at a time, but uh, how do you live? How do you live your life in the lead up to a hot game summer? A hot game summer, yeah. I've actually have been, I think, slowing down a little bit. Um, I feel like we've been getting more into like TV and and stuff. Actually, like uh, I, I, because of Lucy, I actually also introduced um, my girlfriend to Fast and Furious, and she's been Yay. watching all of them. Nice. <laughs> So, I'm gonna text her. <laughs> what are you up to? Uh, we just finished five. Is where we we oh. left off. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where it gets, so this is where it's really yeah. Just... That's, that's where it really gets good. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, I I I guess I don't really have like a like you said like a subconscious plan. I just kind of I don't know. Go with the flow. Like I I it really is like you know end of the day rolls around and I'm just like what am I feeling. At this exact moment, mm-hmm. am I feeling a game? Am I feeling anime? I don't. Uh, I I try and keep myself somewhat organized, but like I think I, I am so unorganized in my organization that I think I have like five different like lists of like things to watch and play mm-hmm. that I like immediately forget I made that list and I just go and make a new one and it's like always different. So I'm just, I've kind of given up. 
I just sort of do what that, I'm feeling. That is, a, that is exactly what Notion is for. That's what you yeah. get Notion for. Notion takes those lists and makes them manageable and gives you super editing uh, capabilities and lets you customize boards to yourself. I've got a board called... This episode is not brought to you by Notion. I've, right I've, I've, got, I've got an, uh, a board called Consumption Junction, which I put <gasps> all my stuff in. Thank you to Notion for sponsoring this episode. This episode is <laughs> brought fun. to you by Notion. <laughs> okay, so... Wow. It's not sponsored at all, but Notion <laughs> literally just released their API and people can finally connect it to other things like Google Calendar and stuff. And it's really just okay. game changing. That it's sounds, real good. That sounds pretty good. Really good. And, and it's like built, it's one of those like organization tools that's kind of built for gamers. Like, because you can tweak, <laughs> you can tweak things and put like banner images and you can be like, ah, I don't like this, but I know that if I put this rule in here, if I kit it out with this uh, item, it will make this easier. And you're like... Oh my god! This is a this is a game a game in itself. Um, that's that's an ad right yeah. there. Notion built for gamers. I didn't um, even know this was okay. Okay, it's fantastic. Personal it's fantastic. pro four dollars per month. Okay, I'm gonna need them to sponsor me because that's a lot of money. So. That is a lot of money. Yeah. Notion. Yeah, I think if we can get Notion and KitKat, please sponsor. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Also, Oreo uh, and Ferrari. One of those. Oreo Ferrari. Yeah. 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 After dark if, podcast at Red I don't know, if, if Wells Fargo just wants to start giving Steve money on a regular basis as well, we'll take that. Yeah, can uh, we just give Steve money? Just wheelbarrows yeah. of cash up to my house. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, getting back on track. <laughs> Lucy wait, this and this podcast out of track. Wait, wait. No, it doesn't. No. This is right. this is the this is the this is how we get beyond the dark. No, I like. We it. go in all right. directions. Um, Lucy and uh, Jean-Luc, you've been playing Mass Effect. Give us a yeah. Mass Effect update. Where you guys, where you guys are at? Where you folks are at? Do I need to mute you guys right now? Because uh... no, spo- oh, we'll no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. spoilers. We'll keep it spoiler free. So I'm, I'm at the now. end. <laughs> I'm at the end of Mass Effect One. Um, I would have actually finished it last night. Um, I'm at the the point before the last mission. Um, but then I noticed there was a trophy, the completionist trophy. So I went back and mopped up a bunch of side quests to get that because it's really easy to platinum each game. And I literally will have to restart and do maybe an hour because I missed one codex entry. And then that's, yeah, that's, and it's literally, I know the exact conversation that I skipped as well. Uh, But uh, other than that, yeah, almost the end of Mass Effect 1, then moving on to Mass Effect 2. Yeah, I'm I'm in Mass Effect 2 now. Uh, I've slowed down compared to mass effect one uh people who listened to the last podcast knew i just blazed through mass effect one at lightning speed um but i've slowed down a lot with two because i think um I, I was more interested in like seeing the changes they made to one where two is more mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's the same mostly but um nice quality of of uh mm-hmm. like it just looks a lot cleaner uh, mm-hmm. this time around. Like, I mean, like, you know, you, you don't need to change much about Mass Effect 2. Like, that game no. just looks so good. Still, it holds up so well. Um, I I really don't have much to say about Mass Effect 2 other than, like, Mass Effect 2. It still rips. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think, Stephen, w- w- you're in for a good time. You're in for an yes. engrossing time. Like, that is, I'm excited for you. Now, now you know, have the uh, the capability to play it as you need it um it's gonna be fun i'm like i sadly i'm still i at the very i just reached the citadel in mass effect one what? yeah 
<laughs> You've so, been doing a lot of streaming and stuff. Yeah, I've yeah, been so. I've been doing like stuff on the side um, mm-hmm. and like doing. So I started playing. I'm playing it in parallel now. So I'm playing on mm-hmm. PlayStation uh, Five for my own sake, but I'm playing it on stream as well because I'm doing daily streams to raise money for uh, uh, Palestinian relief. Um, but that my a lot of my time has been spent playing Valorant as well, which is I, a game that I've become hopelessly addicted to. I was gonna say I. I keep tuning into your streams and it's like oh tam says he's playing mass effect today let's see what's up and you're always playing valorant and i'm like Where, where's the mass effect <laughs> yesterday i started i i started uh with mass effect um and uh and like by the time so like my 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 uh process is i play whatever mass effect until andy cortez from kind of funny appears and is like valorant question mark and i'm I was like gonna say I'm in, until I'm in. until you get the you up text yeah, from andy yeah, yeah exactly and then we go we go to valorant but that game is a lot of fun um it, it like i've been streaming it a bunch i'm still terrible at it and because i'm playing with andy i get like just the astronomical pings so people people like appear on my screen like three or four moon cycles before i can actually like see them and they're killing me instantly um but i'm i'm really really enjoying it mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's pretty much what i've been focused on lucy's just altered i just altered it because we should probably talk about something new that we've seen uh, Tam and I got to see some Death Loop in action. We definitely did. So I figured I was... we should we should talk about that a little bit because it looks cool as shit. Um, yeah. So we Tam got did hands... an excellent preview, and I uh, did a mediocre video preview. It was a great video. That it was. It was. I wish I'd had more time. Is what I'm saying. But mm. like Death Loop is looking incredible, and it's still this game that like I really feel for the team at Arcane because they've made something. That's quite high concept, and I feel like you can boil it down to two assassins stuck in a time loop, but the actual realities of how that game is going to work are quite involved. Mm. Like, four different uh, areas, four different times of day, Um, the way that stuff carries over over time loops, the way that some characters know they're in a time loop and others don't, and then there's the multiplayer bit where you can invade other people's games, but that's somehow woven into the single player. It's like... But it looks really cool. It looks like this incredible evolution of all the all of these arcane properties. Like there is some stuff in there that's clearly from Dishonored. Like a lot of the powers are very similar to Dishonored. Haters will say it's an asset flip. Don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. It's like like there are some like there are some that are very very similar. But like there are some cool new powers in there. Like there's one that just lets you go invisible, which obviously would have been great in Dishonored. Um, and then there's like. A gorgeous new setting. One of my favorite things about Arcane is that they just like commit to an aesthetic and it just bleeds through like gameplay, weapons, um, the way that the characters interact with each other. And that's very much the case here. It's also really, really funny. And that's one thing that I don't think has been gotten across as much is that Mm. just how funny it is. There's this one bit where you kind of walk into a party to track down one of your targets and the target is like giving a speech and he just goes what's up sluts and i was like (laughs) just did not expect it and it made me laugh so hard but the the two main characters colt and juliana have this like cat and mouse relationship and they're just kind of jabbing at each other the whole time and it just sounds like the, the dialogue just sounds like so natural and funny and i'm like i i thought i couldn't be more excited for death loop and then we got to see it and i was like oh the energy, Sorry. the energy that Colt and Juliana have is 
imagine if uh, Colt for imagine if they were in a relationship, but Colt forgot their anniversary, and Juliana doesn't yes! want to say doesn't want to say you forgot our anniversary, and instead is gonna poke and jab at him to push him towards realizing <laughs> that he forgot a very important day. She's gonna kill him over and over. Yeah. She's, that she's is like, exactly the energy. That is the exact energy. And I was like, this this dude is in for a rough time over the next few hours. Uh, Steve, have you have you got much interest in, in uh, Deathloop? Or yeah, you like what you've seen? Absolutely. Like, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was amazing in that. Uh, can we talk about Emily <laughs> Blunt's performance? Like, honestly, <laughs> top tier. Uh, ooh, S tier, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, I can't just, I can't wait for uh, for that to, to be seen by the masses. If you haven't yet checked out Bruce Willis in that movie, so good. And Piper Perimu, very cute as well. So uh, check out that yeah. The the funny thing is all the all the movies you mentioned there were actually referenced by like the the director Dinga Bakaba and he was like, Yeah, it's it's a time loop thing, so it is very much that and we get that a lot of people are gonna uh, make that comparison, but it feels like they're trying they I feels like they're very much aware of the fact that one, everyone's gonna go, Oh, it's a time loop thing. We know exactly what that is. And two, oh, it's a roguelike. Uh, you know, everyone knows exactly how that's gonna work. And they've built small things in there to kind of subvert those expectations, which is really mm. cool. Um, but yeah, there's a video up on youtube.com forward slash gamespot, and there's also a preview up on GameSpot, which you can check out. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. So we're gonna move on to our special segment for this. Uh, episode which is e3 predictions before we get cracking on that we have a special announcement that we're very very proud to make as with last year um gamespot is bringing back play for all for 2021 last year it was a six week extravaganza that tired everyone out but we uh, made a lot of money for extremely good causes including black lives matter and um providing covid aid if um support for those out there on the front lines this year we're going to be doing a shorter one but it's going to be as exciting and um, we're lining up guests and it's already looking real real cool we've come up some cool ideas for streams and panels and such and we are incredibly proud to say that we're going to be partnering with able gamers for play for all uh, all the money that we generate across um, the uh, E3 and the uh, Play for All charity period is going to be going directly to Able Gamers to enable um, people with accessibility needs to receive support and, you know, help Steve and his team to do what they do best, uh, better than ever, hopefully. So... So that's why I'm here. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, we want we wanted you to be here to succinctly explain to people why you guys are all badasses. Oh, um, I thought uh, it was yeah. here for my good death loop takes. Uh, and... I mean, that's... oh, those and the cat yeah. takes too. Yeah, yeah. The, the cat, the cat stuff is like it was the cat. Explain to people why Able Game is awesome, and we got the death loop stuff as a amazing side effect. So <laughs> you love to see it. But yeah, Steve, thank you so much for um, working with us on this. We've had a lot of support from the Able Gamers uh, side, and we are, like I said, extremely proud to continue supporting the cause. Um, and yeah, uh, and there's there's ways that people can also um, raise money for Able Gamers. You have the Spawn Together initiative, right? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the, the great part about Able Gamers is that everyone thinks about us as... An organization that essentially just gives out controllers, but we do so much more than that. That's 
that's why we've reached the point where we have to do these fundraisers because we've got an entire course set up for developers to come in and learn how to design games more accessibly from the start without interfering with their vision or creativity or any of that mumbo jumbo that you hear people yelling about negatively on the internet. It's all about mm. making games better for everyone. We have our entire player panels department, which is literally where people with disabilities can come to the website right now and be Q&A testers for the game industry, where publishers come to us and say, hey, we're doing the super secret new game. Do you have people with one arm? Do you have someone who has neuromuscular disability? Like, And in those situations, we have players who can then go and, and test for them. And, and the players get to be part of the industry they love, which win-win for everybody. And uh, so that's been really fantastic to have all these different initiatives the problem is that you have to fund the people that are running all those initiatives so it has been an ongoing struggle to keep up um and so uh, able gamers has a lot of cool initiatives and fundraising things that are coming up over the summer uh including now um working with y'all um to to bring attention to people with disabilities and in, in gaming space uh and then outside of the Able Gamers activities, I decided, well, I'm not giving enough of my life to Able Gamers. Asterisk, I am. Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to do in my own personal time, I was going to come up with this really cool idea, right? Everybody goes after the Dr. Lupos and the Tim the Tatmans of the industry to go get them to fundraise, right? But there are, according to Twitch, literally hundreds of thousands of streamers out there who are out there doing good things, good content, good people. Well, what if instead of reaching out to one big person, what if I put out a rallying call? And this is where I go a little bit nerdy. So I've been liking to say that it's not me who did this. What I'm doing here is I'm lighting the, the pyres and I'm calling for aid. I'm literally putting it out there on the internet that able gamers needs help to keep going. So I'm lighting the pyres and saying, come to our aid and bring your stream in your community. And what's spawned together, what we've done is we've had hundreds and hundreds of people who have communities a couple hundred people deep coming to the aid to do streams, to do fundraisers, to do anything cool, where we chip in a couple of dollars together. And slowly over time, we've raised almost three quarters of a million dollars. So the goal is That's to incredible. hit a million by September 15th. So it's uh which is my 41st birthday this whole thing was started from my 40th birthday oh. so hmm. you know uh i am uh essentially as old as a dinosaur it's true um but you know since i'm an old dinosaur now i've decided that uh i should use that for good and uh try to you know bring some happiness to other people hmm. yeah and and it definitely is already doing that and it's going to make a noticeable impact on video games in the present and in the future so you should take the opportunity while you can to get involved and it's really easy like it works through tiltify um there is a campaign kind of link special campaign that you tie yes. yourself to um and the kind of materials to learn all about that are available on able right. gamers website right so i set up a campaign yesterday as a test and it literally took five minutes, less than five minutes. And um, in five minutes, you can be streaming and you can be raising money for Able Gamers. Um, obviously, GameSpot is going to be doing our charity effort in in the hopes that we can push a decent chunk away uh, to, the way towards reaching that one million. But if you're listening to this and you are a streamer or you know someone who is a streamer that um, could do could you think could help with this regard just let them know that this is something that will take five minutes of their time and it will have immeasurable effect so please do do that so 
what we're saying is first E3 prediction is we're going to help raise money and we're going to feel good about it. So please join right. us then and support Able Gamers. Feeling good about this charity is the most selfish thing in the world you can do because it makes you feel good about yourself. There you go. Love to hear it. Um, let's talk about other video game predictions for E3. Uh, we've got a list here, and it basically says, what can we reasonably expect? And I'm just going to say, <laughs> reasonably expect? Let's not make this boring. Yeah, let's there get, are some. Let's get, let's, let's get the you, reasonable you, stuff out of the way. Are you dissing my, my copy, my what I wrote down? No, what I'm saying out? is, like, let's get the reasonable stuff out of the way, so then we can, we can get to the stuff that's like, this is kooky behavior that you okay. are talking yeah. about here. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. So we've got a list here. We've got Halo Infinite. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, almost a dead cert, right? I mean, it's got to be, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, 20th, 20th year of Halo, 20th year of Xbox. We know there's going to be an Xbox Bethesda showcase. Easy. Mm. Chalk yeah. that one up. So, and that game's out this year, isn't it? Is that this year or Allegedly, next year? Allegedly, yes. Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. Summer, isn't it? Summer, yeah. September? Yeah. I don't think they're going to push it again. Yeah. Um, my question is... There is a joint Bethesda and Microsoft con- uh, conference supposedly Are we wading into the Starfield discourse? No, no, no. What I'm saying is there's a joint um, uh, conference happening between Bethesda and Microsoft. Mm-hmm. What Bethesda character appears as a, uh, a I don't know, downloadable skin in Halo Infinite? Is Todd it Dover King or is it Todd Howard? Everyone gets Todd to submit Howard. one. Yes. Stephen, who is your submission for a Bethesda character in Halo as a new Master Chief skin? Oh, man. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I kind of want to download Tamor as a skin. Um, Tam, would, would, you, would you be a skin in Halo? Is that something? I would. Do? So there's, there in the original trailer, there's Master Chief on that, pe- I think he's in a Pelican, or he's on some sort of ship, and there's his pilot mm. who is very upset about everything, who is uh, basically a face swap of me. <laughs> he, he looks exactly <laughs> like me. Like I saw it, and I was like, that looks like me. And then I got like oh. seven messages being like, are you in Halo? And I was like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, I would love that. If it can't be Tam, then it's got to be dog meat. We gotta, we gotta. <laughs> dog meat has to make an appearance. Mm-hmm. That would be incredible. Like, like holographic dog meat. Cortana's gone, but it's just dog meat now. <laughs> yep. But he, exactly. he just appears, yep. and yep. every time <laughs> Chief asks him a question, he just barks and then leaves. <laughs> a very dramatic bark, by the way. He's got some very gonna feel emotion every bark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be done uh, with that. Lucy, who's your pick? Todd Howard. Todd Howard. Okay. I mean, actually, it, it's. I mean, if they did do some kind of crossover, it might be Colt and Juliana because Deathloop is out this year. Mm. Um, but no, my heart, my heart says Todd. John Luke. So Todd Howard, but not in the way you think. It's not like you know, Master Chief takes his helmet off and it's Todd Howard. It's uh, Todd Howard in his like premier E three jacket, his his yeah. his drip, oh. but with a Master Chief of helmet which... on top. <laughs> I was gonna say. We have the article. We know where he got that jacket. Yeah, we know exactly it's where he got that from. Yeah, I thought you were going exactly. way different. Your, your, for those of you who are not watching but listening, he just, John Luke just made this like uh, jumping out of an airplane and about to parachute in motion with his hand. <laughs> Todd Howard, piloting in with an E3 banner. 
So it's it's Todd Howard, but uh, he's a kind of like kill streak, but it's like a orbital bombardment. But every missile is Todd Howard, <laughs> it's just slamming into the ground. <laughs> and, and, the, and then the the Halo announcer guy goes, "God Howard," and then <laughs> yeah, get the little <laughs> the worst Clone My... Wars episode ever. Yeah. <laughs> I Feels... thought you were gonna say like the bombardment, but it was just copies of Skyrim. No, <laughs> just absolutely bodied by copies of Skyrim. All right, let's carry on through these uh, reasonably expect games: Suicide Squad and Gotham Knights. I mean, I I think Gotham Knights, yes, Suicide Squad, probably no. Is Suicide Squad the movie out this year? I don't think so. It That's could a good be. Question. I can't remember. I because think you're right if, though. If, Gotham if the movie's out then maybe but also don't forget the dc fandoms coming back which also, is where they showed off this last year if i'm right in yeah, thinking. so maybe yeah. they'll kind of like tease it mm. oh mm. tease it um but yeah also, in terms of like Warner dc Brothers is stuff, now owned by discovery <laughs> i can't keep track anymore because i know that the didn't didn't they break the studios up a little bit as well I cannot tell you. I, it's so confusing, but uh, I don't think it's going to have a major impact on the way they show off games. But yeah, I think you're right. Gotham Knights is the one that they'll probably show off the most, which honestly I'm I'm good with. Like, show me. I like it when when there's a focus in a press conference. I don't know about you folks, but like when it's here's our press conference, it's got 30 games in it. I'm like, oh, please stop. You want to? I mean, I think you want to give them kind of a bit more time to shine, especially when we've already seen gameplay of Gotham Knights. Like we got quite a meaty look at it last year. Yeah. So unless they're going to do that same thing with Suicide Squad, which I would also be down for because that game, like we only just saw a, a sort of pre-rendered trailer. Mm. Yeah, yeah but bit of gameplay for that would be good mm. um final fantasy 16 yeah i don't think we will because wasn't it on sony's thing last year like sony's june july press conference right oh is that because... ps5 only i think it is mm. it might be yeah i wouldn't be surprised uh i, I think mean... it is it was shown on p uh, shown and announced as a ps5 thing um but i wouldn't be surprised if it shows up some other places because I mean, I mean Square all... like doing their own little things yeah. now. Yeah, and like uh, the last few Final Fantasies have all been um, multi-plat. So, um, wait, Final Fantasy Seven wasn't. Though, no, was Seven it? wasn't. Seven wasn't. The, the other ones before that have been. So I wouldn't be surprised if it shows up in some regard there. I think Seven's locked. Seven's the one that Sony were like, never. You will never go anywhere else. <laughs> this us. belongs to us. We made you. Yeah. It's like like the deal with the devil, but for like, you know, one day I will come for you. Like, that's how it is. And it's always that. Like, Sony owns owns the Final Fantasy VII brand into a degree. Um, but I'm excited to see that game, especially given the team working on it being and the folks behind it being the Ziv team. Um you know, I, I wanna be I wanna be I wanna be in a world where Michael Hyam cries nonstop about the game he's playing and that is seemingly what Final Fantasy seventeen sixteen is gonna be. Also, I don't know about you, but I think it's time to hit reset on the numbers on the Final Fantasy because we're at sixteen now. Yeah. I, I kinda just, just want them to yeah. go to that weird like um xbox way of doing it let's just change it to a numeral this year let's make it like you know final fantasy xxelc and then yeah. like the year after that we'll make it xbox square and then <laughs> that, we'll, we'll just make it like where it's a color it's just final fantasy 7 blue 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, they kind I of already, they kind of yeah, already do that. Yeah, they kind of do that. Yeah, I think like they should be borrowing from like the the MMO. It's like Final Fantasy Endwalker. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah, Final Fantasy mm-hmm. A Realm Reborn. Fair enough. Uh, we've got a we've got a one here, which is Dragon Age Four, and then next to it is in all caps. Please buy away. <laughs> I think I can guess who wrote that. Surprisingly, not me. That was actually was me. Uh, yeah, because because I need I need that Dragon yeah. Age Four. Like I need, you know, uh, Bioware's got a lot of good good momentum right now with the the Legendary Edition. Uh, but you mm-hmm. know. Those are those are still old games. I need new Bioware. I need I need mm. I need them to to show that they still got the magic. And uh I'm I think there's a lot riding on on Dragon Age 4. Um also I just I personally I love Dragon Age so mm. much. Uh like uh Origins is one of my favorite games of all time and I really love 2. I'm like a defender of 2. Um one of those people and then I also quite like Inquisition. So I just I need to see I need to see that game. Uh, cause, cause Bioware loves to announce games years in advance and never show it. And they've been, they've been teasing four for a while. So it's time, it's time to show that it's game time. off. Yeah. I mean, they've been, they've been holding stuff a lot for the Keelys, um, mm. at the end of the year. So maybe, I don't know, maybe this time they'll be like, okay, we've, we're riding off the high of legendary edition. It's time. Let's get this out there. So I'm, I'm down. I'd be excited to see Dragon Age at this point. See, this is what we are going in with. They are going to absolutely debate us with a new like Star Wars expansion for for. Oh, the they're going to bring the back old uh, the old yeah. Republic. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be like, we're back. Yeah. We brought it back. <laughs> Let's go. We're still going. Um, <laughs> Battlefront Shield. Here we go. Yeah, there we go. Um, so those are what we can reasonably expect. There's a bunch of other games that we can reasonably expect because. Sure. You know, people are already announcing their presence there and you can look at the release slate. Now this is the fun part. I want the wild predictions. Everyone gets one wild prediction slot. And I'm going to start, obviously. I doubt you can even imagine it being there, but I do it every night, every day. I think I know what you're going to say. It's Elden Ring, baby. I was like, what are you doing every night and every day? That's what a weird phrasing. Thinking about Elden Ring, that's oh, what. Okay. There's nothing uh, wrong with that. What do you guys think? That was perverted. I, I mean, yeah. I am I am naked when I'm doing it, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's like, they have to. They have to show it. I mean, I guess they don't, but... I, I, <laughs> they they kind of have to, I feel my, like, at this my point. Hope, my hope is that they show it. If you ask me whether I think it will happen, absolutely not. Like, no <laughs> chance. I feel like that leak happened, and then everyone in that studio went, well, fuck these guys. We're not going to show them anything. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're going to go back to ground. We're just going to, yeah, well, goodbye forever. I feel like Miyazaki was like, you've hurt me personally, and now you will all pay. Uh, you will not hear about Elden Ring until the day it is delivered to your door. <laughs> uh, so that's my that's my prediction. Uh, Jean-Luc, what's your one wild prediction for E3? wild prediction uh give me more time okay i need, I need, I need to ponder beyond good and evil 2 back from the dead Ooh, i mean it oh, never officially yeah. died but i don't i don't know what that game is but we finally understand what, what beyond yeah, good and evil 2 we'll actually finally is understand what beyond good and evil 2 is and like uh what do you call him 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt just standing next to it being like, I'm working on this too. Yes. Well, that was the thing is that he was asking people for to put stuff in with hit record, but I didn't understand what sort of like, if there would be rev share or if there would be any kind of like monetary uh, compensation for people doing that. I mean, I guess like there's not in stuff like dreams. Mm. Maybe they'll have taken the dreams approach to how I just, but also I just don't understand how that game is a beyond good and evil game because... The original Beyond Good and Evil is about taking pictures and occasionally hitting someone with a stick. Like, I don't understand what the... I don't know. The interesting, so, yeah, that's my that's my prediction. The interesting thing will be, like, Ubisoft had a recent statement where they put out they were moving towards free-to-play long-term video game model, which mm-hmm. I imagine is going to apply to any game that is currently in development. And oh boy, Beyond Good and Evil 2 looks like it could very easily be um, turned into a free-to-play open-world MMO type game. But like Beyond Good and Evil as a as a name is not a household name. It's not a Tom Clancy. Like I I don't understand if they were to do that with something like Beyond Good and Evil. It doesn't have the brand awareness to push through, I don't think. Um mm. to put my biz hat on for a sec. But yeah, unfortunately I could see that with what they sort of showed off with it a little bit. Mm. Steven, what's your what's your wild pick? It's going to be Witcher Computer Builder Simulator, and it's just going to be Henry Cabal in a top Witcher outfit, just building computers, and you're going to get to control Cabal, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a great game to build, learn computer building, and uh, you know, quench thirst. I'm genuinely into this. Like I, <laughs> this is a great idea. Like, why has no one? Because there is that game where you can build computers, right? Yeah, it's PC builder. Why have right? they not just hit up Henry Cavill and been like, "Give us your arms"? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's going to be a Devolver Digital uh, exclusive. Uh, they're going to put it out in all platforms. Uh, it's going to have a PlayStation skin exclusive, where it's uh, mm. it's just going to be him, just uh, with the, the the wild eyes and the white hair, but topless for some reason. You've made such a compelling case that I'm moving it from wild predictions to what we can reasonably expect. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I would play that. Jean-Luc, what's your uh, wild prediction? Okay, so I think... You turn to your screen as if you've been typing for the last 10 minutes and you've got like an essay ready. No, no, I haven't. In this essay, I will. I've been furiously thinking. I think think Microsoft's got to go real bold this year. You know, like I think they need to... They need to really throw something out there. So I think I think they should bring back they they need to bring back uh Steel Battalion. Oh that's my guess. Steel Battalion. Oh, with the controller or without the controller? Oh, with the controller, hundred percent. Okay. That's okay. that's where they're cool. going. Uh that's like wild. I honestly I, I I I legitimately just like do think like I, I, I need Microsoft to just like completely surprise me with with something mm. like uh i Acqu- acquiring capcom <laughs> that would be insane i don't i don't think sony would uh would let them at this point you know yeah. sony sony's so invested in like resident evil and like street fighter they mm-hmm. wouldn't let they wouldn't let it happen no i think it so- would be it would be bants though wouldn't it it would, it would be, be it would be a, it would be like omega bants if they came in and were like <laughs> we're buying uh capcom and sony's like but well, these are huh? these are ours. What? Wait, wasn't there who wasn't there like rumors a while ago that someone was going to buy Square Enix and 
just these like yeah. cyclical conversations of rumors and stuff there's, so. there's always rumors about like uh, I, you could probably start a rumor saying able gamers is gonna acquire from software and people will be like down uh, yeah. any interest in acquiring from software or any oh. what, if you could acquire oh. any developer what would you acquire Oh, I would immediately acquire from software, and it would be nothing but easy mode Sekiro. Just, just, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yep, yep. I, I, I would literally just waiting for all of you. Like, can you add hard mode? No, that's not the intent of the original developers. It's all easy <laughs> mode from here out. As someone who is uh, who has played a lot of Sekiro and um, is uh, somewhat known for playing from software games. I would be very happy to offer my uh, services as a brand ambassador for that move. Ah, you're in. <laughs> I would stand there and be like, I approve this. <laughs> Can't wait. Awesome. So there we have it. Those are our predictions for E3. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting E3. What are you kind of like, are you excited about E3? Um, and do you reckon it's going to be as hype as it has been previously? Uh, Lucy? I'm always excited about E3, but I, I still feel like it's going to be a bit of a weird one because I think the impact of last year is really going to be properly felt this year. And so I wonder if, you know, this isn't the E3 that everyone had planned on release and announce wise. I think we're still going to be suffering for a, a good few months, but I think there's always reason to be excited. Hmm. And I think there will still be surprises and... um people just getting hype about upcoming stuff so i'm always excited but i think we're not going to see e3 return to form until next year mm. and it's not it's not because it's you know digital and we're not in person it's because just pandemic in yeah. it yeah so it's interesting lucy said like um won't return to form till next year steve do you reckon they like this do you see this year as like a make or break moment for e3 and the esa or do you where like if it doesn't really pop off this year people might really start reconsidering their involvement or do you reckon they've got like one or two more attempts at this i think that the shows in general um e3s and, and in particular but also things like pax they really have to figure out where they're going to go in the post-pandemic world i think we learned last year that everything went along just fine without these shows they're a great consumer place a great place to go hang out with other gamers but as far as like announcing things and and hanging out like you can do that just as well through marketing online and I think, again, the things like the Game Awards just continue to dominate our space. And when you yeah. have something that magnetic, you know, um, why would you put your game at E3 when you can hold it for something that's going to get 32, 42, I forget the numbers on the, the last Game Awards, like, you know, 78 gazillion people watching, you know, mm -hmm. uh, why would you not just wait for that? Exactly. That's a good point. Um, I think one of the important things for us on our side is... What I'm enjoying seeing is people realizing that E3 can be more than just we're covering games and taking the kind of energy that and the excitement around it and refocusing it into something that's fun for us as people that love video games, but also perhaps is giving back to the community and useful. And, you know, we talked about it at the, at the top of this uh, segment, but that's primarily why we do play for all. We love the idea, you know, GameSpot's traffic just shoots through the roof during the E3 period, whether that's videos or editorial, social, more eyes on us uh, than any other time in the year. And so we want to take that kind of uh, focus and put it into a good space. And this year, that's going to be 
to Able Gamers. So we're going to be raising money for them. Make sure you come, make sure you hang out, and uh, we'll make it a good E3, even if the announcements aren't as exciting. Jean-Luc, as newly crowned maestro, maestro of live streams, how excited are you to start putting all this stuff together and control these live streams from home? <laughs> Uh, it's going to be really exciting this year because we, um, I'm, I'm, I, I love doing, uh, behind the scenes live stream stuff like that. That to me is like when it all comes together and everyone's just like, we're all firing on cylinders. You guys are doing your thing on the, uh, hosting side. You know, we're bringing in great guests. Uh, everyone's just like, it's this big old team effort. And that's, I, I it's a lot of work. But I love it. It's like there's there's nothing else like it. So I'm I'm very excited actually to um to do it. It it, it is it is going to be a lot of work though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have faith in you. So uh, it's going to be exciting. I think we've heard enough from us. I think it's time to hear from our listeners. So let's kick it over to the listener questions. Okay, if you'd like to send in a listener question, you can send an email to afterdarkpodcast at redventures.com or you can put it in the Discord where there is a lovely community of people and there's a specific section for After Dark questions if you want to get into the Discord. You can hit up myself, Jean-Luc, or Lucy on Twitter and DM us to let us know you want in. We will check your Twitter to make sure that you're not a weirdo. <laughs> you're not saying horrible shit on the internet. Um, only good people allowed in our Discord. Um, the first, we've got two questions here. They could come from Just a Box and um, Rocket Scientist that we're going to combine into one because it makes sense that way. Um, Jean Luc, can you read the questions, please? Yes. Uh, so, uh, Just a Box said, Hey, After Darkers, I was wondering what your favorite quality of life features in games are. Uh, one that's become common and I really like is the ability to adjust the, uh, adjust the difficulty in a game partway through. Even if I don't end up using it, it's reassuring to know that I can uh, adjust uh, to deal with games that are easier or more challenging than I expected. Are there any now common quality of life features that you particularly like? Are there any features that you would like to see implemented more often? And then going off of that, uh, another question from... Oh, this name. X Rocket Scientist. Rocket, Rocket Scientist. Scientist. Okay, yeah. I would have not picked up on that my eyes yeah. are not capable of understanding how to convert yeah. fives to s's gotta get that time on switch i gotta spend more time on twitch then um but they asked uh hola creatures of the night i got a bit of a psychic question for you fine folk let us imagine you are a game developer but 10 years in the future from this exact moment uh what game are you building and what quality of life improvements have you put in that are not currently widely available slash used Love, uh, love all that you do. Keep up the great work. So basically, what do we like that's currently in games uh, that is nice quality of life? And then if we were to make our own game in the future, what would we mm. want to add? That's a good quality of life feature. I feel like, Steve, you, you've got this one locked and loaded. So we're going to go to you. <laughs> We've got the expert. Hit us. Blow our minds. You know, so the I can answer the future best by telling you a story from the past. So the very first PAX East, we gave Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, the online version, uh, a, an award from Alien Gamers, the accessible game of the year. And uh, I made sort of a, a friend of me that day because we had the lead production director on for the game uh, on this panel at PAX. And uh, when we went to give them the award, in public, he kind of rebuffed it and said, you know, 
Uh, there's no real need to, to call this accessible. It's, you know, it was just a game that we, we tried to design that everybody could play. And, you know, these these things that you're talking about, like the ability to loot one body, loots all the ones around you, um, they're just quality of life improvements. And when he said that, I immediately jumped back and was like, well, but the thing is, golden game design is accessible game design. So something that may be a quality of life improvement for one gamer is the thing that enables another gamer to play at all. And when I phrased it that way, number one, pissed him off. Number two, because uh, I kind of proved them wrong in public. Uh, and two, uh, you know, he ended up sort of backpedaling and just saying, oh, well, we appreciate the award. And that was one of those situations where, you know, you learn that just because something doesn't seem necessary for you could be absolutely critical for someone else. So these these things that are quality of life improvements um, are always hard for me because they could be accessibility features, but I just call them good game design, right? If you design your game properly... You want the most amount of people possible to come play your game, right? So you want to include as many people as you can. You can look at that from a customer perspective, like, we want money, woo, money's good. Or you could just be like, I want my vision for a game to be out there for everybody to enjoy. No matter which side of the coin you look at it, these improvements are how you get more gamers into your game in the first place. And, you know, in 10 years, I think we're going to see that it's a lot different than the landscape we currently have. I think by then, um, AR or augmented reality will be much more commonplace, and I think it will be into the games industry more than we currently anticipate. Um, I think that VR will also look very differently. I think there are a lot of things out there where right now, in order to enjoy virtual reality, you have to be able to put a helmet on your head and be able to hold two lightsabers in your hands. <laughs> Well, that's not possible for a lot of people for a number of reasons. You only have one arm that works perfectly. Your dexterity, your strength, your stamina may be in question. Maybe you can't turn your head. Maybe you need to use a wheelchair. Maybe it makes you sick. Maybe you have glasses. There are tons of things that limit potential. I think we're going to find a way to do away with the helmet altogether. I think we're going to find more holodeck kind of ways where we can just interact and computers are going to be able to read our movements so that we don't have to have peripherals and that is going to enable more people to play so i think um you know a lot of the early arguments against virtual reality where nobody wants to stand up and play they want to sit on a couch and enjoy with their friends and the evidence with this is that the connect ultimately failed right <laughs> in the end people didn't want to stand up and pet the cute tiger on the screen although it was cute um you know you could only do that for so long you wanted to stay on your couch and they didn't let you do that so I think that's really where we're going to see it going is, is technology is going to look different and you can see it's moving that way to be not only more accessible to disabled people, but it's going to be more quality of life for everyone. I mean, I think that's, that's a perfect answer. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really know what to say. I think the one, the one thing I was going to add is like, I hope that, I hope that it becomes easier for people who are thinking about accessibility to communicate with people who are, you know, making these games and obviously it would be fantastic to have people who have accessibility in mind specifically on these teams like i was the one thing i thought about earlier was like i don't know what are you playing mass effect on is it pc pc yeah yeah and that's something i thought of like the, the fact that you're in a position now where you can play mass effect but you had to do it by hacking it 
the only reason you could do that is because you're on the PC version of the game. Um, and if it was you decided you wanted to play the console version, you are out of luck. There's many people out there who don't have const you don't have a PC gaming PC and may be interested in playing the Mass Effect games in the same way that Steve was, uh, but won't be able to because they can't hack a console to do that. So in light of that, gaming companies and developers need to make sure that accessibility is a key area of focus for them because it shouldn't be that people need to go out of their way to spend time together and spend hours and hours hacking something together. So that's where I'd like it to go and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to build off the energies that Steve has and keep the optimism going. I hope that that will happen. And I think it's important to recognize that, um, you know, organizations like Able Gamers and Steve are the reason why it's going to happen. So let's try and support that as much as we can. Um, which we're planning to do at Play for All, but yeah, that's that's what that's what I have to say about it. Lucy, Jean Luc, anything to add? I mean, just to kind of echo what the two of you have said, it's been really cool over the past few years seeing these quote unquote quality of life, but also just accessibility changes in games. And it's weird now. Like, I am glad that it, it's obviously not like perfect but like such inroads have been made but it's weird like playing a game like the last of us part two which has such great accessibility mm. options and then going back to a game like resident evil 8 which is not that accessible like i struggle a lot with um motion sickness mm -hmm. and being unable to like play around with those settings and stuff and like i can i can like brute force my way through that game but I recognize that that is my, I, I'm privileged in that way. I can, I can do that. And so folks who can't and like, it, it's not just things that, you know, we like gaming as a whole should be quiet on. We should all be kind of pushing for this change because ultimately, like you said, it's like you solve a few, but then you expand to many. Like we talked to Rod Ferguson and at the coalition, they had um, all this accessibility training uh, and they it's something that they're focusing on quite heavily within Microsoft obviously they have the uh, the adaptive controller, controller yeah. the adaptive controller and it's cool to see in ways that like develop a lot of developers are actively thinking about that stuff and so I hope that that just continues and that we keep getting more because like is it's it's Microsoft's slogan that they came up with, but it's like when we when we all play, we all win. And like I know that's a huge part of Able Gamers is that like hmm. gaming is such an incredible avenue for things like you know most of the friends I have as an adult I've made through games in one way or another, and it's like I we want that for everyone. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's the that's the thing that we as gamers everyone listening um particularly those of you who have an audience of one person or a hundred thousand million like you you need to keep saying what lucy just said because the power that able gamers wields and the reason that advocates out there have been successful and that able gamers has been able to get as much traction in the last five years more than triple what we got in the first 10 years was that we finally got gamers to get behind us and say yeah gaming is important you know we mm. learned in 2020 that social isolation is devastating there is no one on the planet who didn't feel lonely during the year 2020 and mm. that is something that people with disabilities deal with a lot it's something that i've dealt with a lot it's something i've counseled thousands of gamers with disabilities over the years through able gamers on dealing with and video games help eliminate that and why wouldn't we want everyone to to do that so 
let's you know i beg all the people who love Sekiro out there you know this isn't a war we're all on the same side here this mm. this this you know it get, the, these arguments get a bad rap you know journalists want easy money eh. like it's 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 a thing that we don't need to argue over let's just all agree that we should all be able to play and that'll be a good thing and we can figure out how that works later but right now let's just get everybody in and then we can start the conversation about how we should play agreed yeah john luke yeah, I was going to say, uh, like, a big thing I think that games should go in a direction is, is not just not just accessibility in, in terms of, um, like, controls and, and functionality, but also, like, customizability in the actual way the game plays itself. Uh, mm. Like, I, I'm a big fan of games that don't just have a binary difficulty list, but actually let you tweak settings. So like um I think one of the best examples is the Dishonored games uh 2 and Death of the Outsider. You can make a custom difficulty where you can tweak like enemy um like you know visibility in terms of stealth, you can tweak uh weapon damage, you can tweak your health. Like it it lets you basically create your own custom difficulty that uh suits your taste and what you're looking for. And and that goes both ways where it's like you know people who maybe need something um you know want a more relaxed playthrough or people who want like this insane like you know dark souls level like the the people who just you know scream about i want this to be as hard as possible you can do Mm -hmm. that too and like i i think games that i think the future is like games that just allow for you to customize your experience to this degree because you know like we're saying like we're on the same side everyone wins like why why wouldn't you want a game where you can you can make it exactly how you want to play it like that's that's a win-win mm. for everyone there you have it we have spoken steve thank you so much for joining us um and lending us your perspective and your expertise and incredible idea for a henry cavill uh, <laughs> pc building <laughs> game which i will no, not forget in any rush um where can people find you online if they want to you can find Able Gamers literally everywhere under the Able Gamers banner. We're probably on things you haven't even invented yet. And uh, you can find me under Steven Spawn, S-P-O-H-N, on Twitter. On Twitch, it's the Phonetics Founding, S-P-A-W-N. Uh, and for those of you out there who uh, may be interested from earlier when we talked about raising funds for Able Gamers, if you want to help, disabled people be able to enjoy the games we just talked about and we love then uh, look up hashtag spawn together come in give your five dollars get your community to raise twenty dollars together one starfish at a time we can help the entire world be a more accessible place Hmm. and as we said earlier it's really easy to do jean-luc who likes cat paws where can people find you uh you can find me at jean-luc sepke um I, I don't really have anything personal I want to pimp, but I do want to quickly shout out um, the the Podfather Jake Decker and mm. uh, former uh, Gamespot editor Matt Paget started a new mm. podcast that is available today, as of the time uh, this episode goes up. It's called uh, The Nuclear Fridge, and it's a variety show uh, where they talk about a bunch of things, uh, video games included. Um, so yeah, like you should, you know, people who've listened to this podcast uh, who who mm. love Jake you have a way to listen to him now. So uh, I highly recommend go and check that out. But uh, you yeah. always listen to us first. Yeah. That's yeah. all I ask. That's the, that's, those are the rules. If they get a four point sponsorship before we do, I'm going to be <laughs> livid. Um, Lucy, who had a cat called Kick. Kick the cat. Just got it. Kick the cat. Love, yeah. love well, to I see mean, it. 
Love to Technically, see it. Technically, he was named after the In Excess album. No, 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 Kick. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Lucy James Games. Uh, did the Death Loop thing, and then chilling. Chilling. Excellent. Yeah, you can find. <laughs> Follow Lucy right now. Yeah, do it. Hey. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Tamor H. I'm also streaming for charity. Um, on uh, currently, I'm streaming for. Uh, medical aid for palestine twitch.tv forward slash tomorrow h outside of that when i'm not doing that all my uh, subs and bits are raising money for able gamers so um please do come check out if you can and we will see you next week goodbye everyone bye, bye. bye. i love bits i love bits